Right. So, Katie. Hi. Have you ever considered piracy? Yes, actually. I do. You have. Affirmative. Yes. When I, when I was in, uh, uh, like, middle school and high school, I went through a very serious pirate phase. Was this when Pirates of the Caribbean came out? Um, probably. <laughs> I don't want to say it was Johnny Depp inspired, but it may have been. Yeah, I went through a very serious pirate phase, and I wore an eye patch to concerts. <laughs> of course and, you did. And I, I like, it was very, it was very serious. And I wore skulls and stuff. It went well, a, it I mean, went a, it was probably mid-2000s. It went along with my mid. slight emo phase. Yeah, there were and, a lot of skulls um, in that time yeah, period. I had to pack different outfits for when I went to visit Grandma. Oh, like, right. I would, like, change my clothes when we got to grandma's like, well, house. I gotta be preppy now. My parents were like, you cannot wear skulls around your grandmother. And looking back, they were very smart to, to do that. Um, but yeah, I did. I considered piracy. And and then I found out about what, like, real pirates do, yeah. which isn't go look for treasure. Like, they were rapists. They were bad. And I said, I don't want to be a part of that. that. That's, not the, that's not the community for me. Yeah. So... I chose out of piracy. Good. Um, and I've sort of been drifting ever since. I don't really know where I fit in anymore. <laughs> You've just been wandering the countryside <laughs> hoping to find a new employment. Well, ever since Pirates of the Caribbean went super downhill after the first one, I've been lost. <laughs> I just, I don't know who I am. I went through a very serious crisis. Oh, man. So I'm Katie. I'm Wesley. And this is Viewing Party. Welcome to Viewing Party, where we review material that has been approved for all audiences. <laughs> oh, did I just make up our theme song? I don't know. Approved for all audiences. <laughs> well, this material. Don't has make been. me explain the joke. I know. You know that green screen that shows up yes. before a movie that's like, Man, this that's- material has been approved for all audiences. <laughs> That was where I was going with that, apparently. I appreciate that. That was fun. We're going to make so much money off this. <laughs> <laughs> so, on today's episode, we just watched The Princess Bride. Yes! A, a, a storybook story. I know. Can you hear the song? You probably can. Listeners. I can't. Who are, you? I was like, who are we talking to? Our, our fans. Yeah. Both of them that are following us on Twitter right now. Hi, Victoria. Hi, Lee. We love you. Our both two, of you. two fans. <laughs> who have not, one of them has not actually heard our podcast. She just follows us on Twitter. Just, somebody just followed us. Yeah, one of my friends. Uh, yes, yeah, so we watched, we watched The Princess Bride. Yeah, we decided to make it our first episode because it's... Basically, universally loved perfect. and wonderful. Perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I was telling Katie the, um, oh, Honest Trailers tried to make an Honest Trailer out of it, and even they were like, well, it's great, so we here's a pretty good trailer that we came up with for you. <laughs> we have nothing to say <laughs> other than how wonderful it is. I, think- I tried. I actually did, when we watched it, I was like, I'm going to find something wrong to like yeah. bash and I I mean you you can tell there's a trampoline in one shot I mean you can tell there's some like body doubles but obviously <laughs> but they're climbing like, cliffs both by rope like you can't and it's the 80s yeah <laughs> and so they had some very lovely painted backgrounds on little, set there's like a little camp going on and on the whole like it's a perfect movie it's so great <laughs> I just love it so much. When did this movie come out? This movie came out in 1987. So I was one year old. I was, um, I was a, my brother, my older brother wasn't even born yet. So I was just, I was, I was a whisper in the wind. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the kind of movie that like you grow up with. Because as we just discovered, it's rated PG. So, this is only PG. This is this is rated PG. <laughs> so it's not like there's any like we were saying. There's nothing really bad in it either. No. Like there's a couple of like words or insinuations, but it's not. It's totally fine for like an eight year old to watch or younger. That's I think around the time I watched it. But yeah, yeah. the um, we were just um, 
did it win any awards or what was happening in 87? I don't know. I wasn't around. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't paying attention in 1987 <laughs> and I was an only child at that point. So I was living the dream. But, um, so it was nominated for best original song for storybook story that you may have heard in the background. Storybook story. <laughs> which we have both decided would be an excellent wedding song. Yes. Walk down the aisle of that one. <laughs> which no one would understand. <laughs> but, um, so it was nominated, it was Oscar nominated for best original song, but lost, understandably, <laughs> to Time of My Life from Dirty Dancing, because yeah, that well, was a pretty great song. Yeah, yeah, I want to be upset about it, because I personally don't love Dirty Dancing as a movie. Yeah. I could roast that one pretty hard. But then, like, it's such... I it's mean, that so song, iconic, though. though. It's that so song, iconic. It happened at just the right time for somebody, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you can't be super mad. This, I mean, also, the song at the end credits is not that good. <laughs> I mean, the fact it's that it was like, nominated makes me wonder like, what was happening in 87, that, like, this was one of the top five songs of the year. It sounds a little, like... He had a little too much to drink and sat down and was, my love is less, a storybook story. Like, he just couldn't quite, like, that was it. That was all he had to say. Yeah, and that's all I don't know what out. any of the other lyrics are. I don't know, man. Although, we were also, we were looking at what else was nominated at this Oscars. And, first of all, we'd never heard of whatever won Best Picture this year. But this movie wasn't even... Platoon? No, that was a different year. Oh. <laughs> um, I've heard of Platoon. <laughs> um, this song, this movie, wasn't nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, which... Why? What? Like, I can't... Like, that doesn't I, make any sense. We need to have a conversation with the Academy. <laughs> the 30 Years Ago Academy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen up, y'all. I'm, I'm sure they're kicking themselves now. Probably. In their grave. Yeah. I... Just assumed everyone was really old. That's very ageist of me. I apologize. <laughs> we have no idea anything about the Academy. So. I think Beyonce's on the Academy. The Academy is actually just the Illuminati. I Googled it. <laughs> Basically, if there's any question, we just assume it's the <laughs> Illuminati. I tweeted that out, and I gotta believe it. You know, we'll just leave that there. <laughs> we'll, just leave that, we'll put that to bed. So. <laughs> Talk about how, like, iconic and, like, growing up with this movie. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? I I don't know if I remember the first time I saw this movie. I know that I was very young. My cousin and I, I would go and stay with my cousin for a week or two every year Mm -hmm. in the summers. And we, I remember one summer, I think we watched this every day, if not multiple times a day. And, like worked really hard to quote the movie and we had dre- like big poofy dresses that oh, my perfect. aunt had made yeah like dress, up, dress up in all the time and it's the perfect movie to try and reenact when you have a lot of like girl and boy cousins oh because yeah. everybody can play something and everyone likes it because everybody it's not it. too romantic and it's not <laughs> overly like action sequency right it's, it's got like that perfect good balance combo of everything and I do remember my oldest cousin had seen it first, and <laughs> she. I remember she told us that, like, after Wesley and Buttercup rolled down the hill and the whole as you wish thing, like, they're like, they do a lot more than just talk <laughs> at the bottom of the Uh-oh. hill. And we were like, what, is, what does that mean? Do they, do they do that thing where adults lay on top of each other and I'm not allowed to watch like no like we had no idea what that meant and she was like or she was like I read the book and it was this whole thing where like the book was going to be dirty and actually that's one of the only reasons that I never read it when I was younger because I was afraid I would read a sex oh no I actually just reread the book this week because I was like I have this book I need something like light and fluffy to read right now There's totally nothing about, there's nothing scandalous in that section. There's actually an extended section on why there's not a, like, why there is no reunion scene in the book. Like, it's weird. That's super good. When did you first see it? I I have, like, a very distinct before and after Princess Bride memory. Oh, good, good, good. So, um, when I was younger, we would go to my 
mom's cousin's house. I forget. I think your, your mom's cousin. No, to keep your family straight. I now. have a lot of weird families like connections to people that I talk to as if they're family, but they may not necessarily be family. Right. So we every year at New Year's we would go to this couple's house because they had um, a couple of kids close to our age, and they were trying to like entertain like an eight and ten year old or six and eight year old. I forget how young we were, my sister and I. And they were like, well, have you seen this movie? And we were like, no. And the dad was like, what? You've never seen this movie? <laughs> we're putting it in. And they were the kind of people that always, like, had more money than we did and had, like, giant big screen TVs in the 90s. Oh, when, like, the, the flat screen yes. came out? But it was, like, the as big as a dining table and, like, what were those four TVs foot deep. Called? They were like, oh, a big screen TV is what they were called. Yes. They were called big, big screens. screens. Yes. So we watched Princess Bride <laughs> in their living room, like Christmas, like New Year's Eve, eating weird snacks. And I was like, what is this movie? <laughs> it was like the best thing I had ever seen. I loved it so much. And we ended up finding it on tape later because that's what you did in the 90s was buy it on VHS. <laughs> and it just has become one of my favorites ever since. It is the best movie. It's so, I'm, it's perfect. And it's really interesting. I think, um, didn't you say that like someone you know had never seen it before? Or I, I don't think I've ever come across a person. Oh yeah, someone at work made, like quoted a reference to it, and the other person who was close to my age was like, "What are they talking about?" And I was like, yeah. "How? I don't how think have you I grown know. up and not seen this movie, but I guess yeah. people do. I don't think I, people do not see this movie." I don't. <laughs> I like can't fathom like not having this entire right. movie arsenal at my disposal to just like quote at everyone. I don't think I've met, to my knowledge, anyone who's never seen this movie or isn't at least like aware of mm-hmm. like the context of a lot of things. So I was I I, just I mean, looking at like so how would I, how would you describe this movie to someone who's never seen it? Yeah. And I was looking for a synopsis, and they're all terrible. Yeah, they are. So from IMDb, it's, while homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him a story called The Princess Bride. Which is only referring to the nested to... narrative outside part. Right. Not the actual story of The Princess Bride that everyone thinks of when they think of The Princess Bride. What's a nested narrative? Okay, so this is my English major coming out in me. Yes. Should I, I, hold on, let me put on my graduation cap okay. and glasses. Got it. Are you good? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just <laughs> make glasses out of my hands like a jerk. That's okay. <laughs> so a nested, a nested narrative is essentially when you start reading a book and then... Or watching a movie or whatnot, some you're experiencing a story, and then after that story starts, they start telling another story. Oh. So it's like a story within a story within a story. So storyception. Yeah, a story it's basically book story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of story inception. <laughs> so in the case of this movie, you're watching a movie that starts with a little boy who's homesick, and his grandpa comes to read a book to him. Mini Ferris Bueller. Baby Fred Savage, who is adorable. <laughs> Baby Fred Savage. Or Mini <laughs> Mini Ferris Bueller. Yeah, which is what he, like, I feel like that kid would grow up to be Ferris Bueller. Like, Did he's Ferris Bueller come out before? Really close to this. Really close to this. I don't think about that too hard. Yeah, let's I'm not. Like, Wait, who Ooh. stole the idea? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, so yeah, you see Grandpa reading the story, and mm-hmm. then the story of Buttercup and Wesley and everyone is the story within the story. So, like, the notebook would be a, yeah. a nested narrative. Yeah, or like, um, what's another good one? Um, technically, Frankenstein is a nested narrative. Mm-hmm. It starts with a bunch of like letters, and then they tell the story of Frankenstein. That's kind of a oh. like a deep reach there that I can't imagine a lot oh, of people have the, read Frankenstein. So then, the historian is also a nested narrative. It's a book, not a movie. Now we're getting into a book. Wait, podcast. I think that one is a movie because I think I've seen it. What? What? Because that's the one about um, the poets. Is that the one I'm thinking of? No, that's Dead Poets Society. No. <laughs> what is the movie I'm thinking of? I, I thought it was called The Historian. We can go on a on a little tangent. We'll Google that. The Historian. Come back. The Historian is 
excellent. I highly recommend everyone read the historian. Don't read it at night. It actually gets really scary in a way that you never saw coming. At oh all. wait, is that the one that has? I don't think it's a movie. I think I've read it though. Yes. You, I mean, if you're friends with. I mean, friends, I don't want to spoil with, it. Friends with our friends. It's the girl who like, like her dad's a professor. Yes, her yes, dad's yes, a historian. Yes. I'm thinking and of then what is the movie I'm thinking he of? Disappears and she's trying to figure it out. Yeah, but like learns I have all about that. his past as a historian. Yes, she's becoming a historian trying that to is like, a really find good her book. father, and it's it is so real good. creepy. Yes, but there's another book that I'm thinking of that is a lot like this. Lemony Snicket. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> Lemony Snicket is pretty much it's, the series this is of unfortunate events is. I forget what it's called, but it's about um, this poet that these people are and like trying to figure out what her life was like. And um, no, that's not a female poet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a weird um, poet. there's a movie about it that has Aaron Eckhart and... Um, Oh, the, I think there's a blonde woman. There's so many blonde women actresses. I can't. I was name. like, Aaron Eckhart could play a blonde woman. Also, he's two faced, so I think he could pull it off. But he's in this <laughs> like, just like weird English major rom com kind of movie. Anyway, <laughs> that's a whole tangent we don't need to go on. But okay. we could watch that movie. <laughs> we, we'll get back. Whatever to that. it is, we'll watch I'll it. think of it. I have the copy of the book. I'm sure we could come up with an Aaron Eckhart theme. Yeah. Later. We could just get those Oreos <laughs> that are chocolate on one side and put it all together. <laughs> oh, we're going places. Well, then we would get to watch um, Conversations with Other Women is one of my favorites. I don't know that one. It's it's very good. The whole movie is split screen. Oh. And I won't go too, too far because we may actually do it. The whole movie is split screen and it's on each side of the screen you're getting what that person you're getting each side of the story from the two people who are having a conversation throughout the entire movie yeah so her inflection is like what she would want to say or what like she believes the conversation huh. to be and his side of the screen is how he believes the conversation is going interesting maybe i'll save some conversation hearts from valentine's yes. day <laughs> oh no Ooh, this is a good theme we should probably brainstorm these later when we're not recording. <laughs> well, uh, d- don't mind us. <laughs> so, okay, cool. So nested narrative. Yeah. I've learned, I learned, learned some stuff thing. today. The more you know. The more Thanks. you know. Um, the other bio that I found <laughs> that also says very, very little, but gives you a little more than what IMDb does. <laughs> if I read that. I'd be like, I, I don't want to really watch Grandpa telling someone a story. That sounds boring. No, that sounds super dull. Uh, Robin Wright and Carrie Elwes star in this fairy tale adventure about a beautiful princess and the. I'm burping. The what? <laughs> I burped. Oh my god. <laughs> a beautiful princess and the gallant hero who rescues her from an evil villain. Ooh. It's an enchanting classic for the whole family. It is pretty enchanting. I was like, like... that's a more well rounded explanation but it still sounds super boring yeah and what's crazy though is like this movie like when the grandpa describes it to the little boy at the beginning and i would like to point out uh for narration purposes that wesley just pulled out the book from behind her i did i was like it is hardcover the sleeve is off and she's highlighted certain (laughs) (laughs) i did get this book though when they came out with the 30th, 20th anniversary of the movie, whenever they did the last re-release, because I've got this and the soundtrack. <laughs> because it's very important. <laughs> so, like in the beginning of the movie, uh, when they're tr- when wonderful Grandpa Peter Falk is trying to describe to baby Fred Savage what the book is about. He might be the best cinematic grandpa. <laughs> I mean, I wish he was my grandpa. Like, <laughs> sad. I never had, like, a cool grandpa that'd sidle up and read your story and wear yeah. a hat and stuff and <laughs> wink at you. <laughs> they didn't have that. So I really loved Aww. this grandpa. <laughs> so, anyway, grandpa explains the book as these are just, there's just a whole list of words of how he describes it. Fencing, fighting, torture, poison, true love, hate, revenge, giants, hunters, bad men, good men, 
beautifulest ladies, snakes, <laughs> spiders, beasts of all natures and descriptions, pain, death, brave men, coward men, strongest men, chases, escapes, lies, truth, passion, miracles. Sounds okay, I say. <laughs> the kid's like, eh, I guess I'll let you read it to me. That is the most accurate description right? of this book I've it's, ever heard. It's even, like, in order of, like, that's the plot. <laughs> if you just read that, that is the plot of this movie. I <laughs> Can we update IMDb and just put that passage? We just, we're going to hop on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, a photo of this page. Like, this is actually the only synopsis you need. Because everything else gives away uh, how brilliant it is. It's so ridiculous. So, a little bit of history about this book, because it is the most ridiculous book. Yes. So, the edition that I have, um, it's practically a nested narrative in and of itself, <laughs> because it has the 30th anniversary introduction of the book, the 25th anniversary introduction of the book, then the book, and then a chapter from the sequel. But, let me tell you a secret. <laughs> So, The Princess Bride by S. Morgenstern, as Grandpa tells the little boy in the book, does not actually exist. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> so, let me let me do the dumbed-down recap. Yeah. There's supposedly a book called The Princess Bride. Right. Written by S. Morgenstern. And that's not a real book. Which is not a real okay, thing. so that's made up. So, if you were to have a copy of this book in front of you, like I do, it says, <laughs> The Princess Bride. S. Morgenstern's classic tale of true love and high adventure. And then underneath of that it says, the good parts, quote, quote, (laughs) version abridged by William Goldman. So here's the thing. He's abridging nothing. Like, he didn't actually (laughs) abridge something. He wrote all of this from scratch. And so in this abridged version, he will give asides about, like, what he thinks the author was talking about or, like, why he cut a certain version. And all of that is just him saying that. It's just him explaining his own It's just own him explaining own... as if someone else had written his own book. He made up his own scapegoat. Kind of. <laughs> but then what gets real confusing is, like, <laughs> in the two introductions that he writes, he like keeps talking more and more as if Florin and Gilder are real places and Morgenstern is a real person and like he actually had his dad read this book to him and he read it to his grandson. He doesn't like he doesn't have a son. He had daughters in real life. Like he doesn't have a grandson named after him that he read this book to. He did not actually go to the Morgenstern Museum because Morgenstern doesn't exist. That's amazing. And so this whole book is like a whole inception, like what's true, what's not true. I don't know what's real right now. Like there's <laughs> Where am I? There's like entire stories of him like talking to Andre the Giant and like oh Stephen King is a major character. And I don't know if he even knows Stephen King. Like <laughs> I don't know if any of this is true. Dropping <laughs> I don't know if any of this is true. So when was the book released? In the seventies. Oh, okay, so it was maybe 10 years old. Yeah, or and something. then he wrote the adaptation for the screenplay <laughs> based on his own book that's based on a book that doesn't really exist. So, because of the high levels of neurosis <laughs> under, I totally understand that. Um, so, while they were filming this movie, while they were on set, um, William Goldman was super, uh, he was super anxious about it. And they actually, he actually ruined the first few takes of the movie because <laughs> the sound guys could pick up on him in the background, like, praying out loud that this movie would turn out okay. <laughs> Just like, oh, God, please let this work. Oh, God, please, like, pr- actually praying that, like, it would be okay. So they yeah. had to, like, take him off set for a little bit. I am not surprised. This guy, like. You can pray over this movie, but like you gotta, you gotta do you it. Can't do it by the microphone. Do some silent prayers. <laughs> do some silent prayers. Ah, <laughs> uh, like it's that makes way. I mean, he makes that knowing that fact about the filming makes way more. <laughs> that makes way more sense since he's <laughs> he abridged his own book. Sort of, yeah. But that's super brilliant. Like it really is. Like, because it makes it feel more authentic. Yes. That and you're like, maybe I can find the original. You can't. It doesn't. It's and, not a thing. I mean, as a you know, as an as a reader <laughs> and 
I'm going to say the words, as also then a writer, I've written plenty of stories where I've gotten to a scene and I've just been like, I don't want to write this scene. So he just wouldn't. Like, I'm not going to be good at writing a couple scene in this nature. It's not something that I can pull from experience with or I haven't felt this feeling that I want to describe and I don't want to write it. Inaccurately. Like, so so that's how writers get blocked and he just skipped right over and was like, oh, well then I'll put my own abridge in yeah. and talk about why I didn't, yeah. why it's not there. There's one entire he, section that's like a three page long chapter because he was like the rest of, there's like a hundred <laughs> more pages and it was boring. So I cut it and then they skipped <laughs> to the next chapter. <laughs> and then I have to wonder, so, I mean, so we've both read Amy Poehler's autobiography, yeah. her memoir, I guess not really an autobiography, her memoir where I love memoirs for books where they like talk about their editor like my editor didn't want me oh to yeah blah, he totally blah, blah. does this yeah <laughs> like I wonder I have to wonder like how often is it actually an editor's like take that out or this is silly well, and or there's a whole awful. thing where I'm like there was a whole section where his editor was getting really confused because she like he does this like the original author Morgenstern I'm just gonna call it that because it's too confusing like You're doing, in, I just want to point out also, Wesley's doing air quotes whenever she says Morgan. Yeah, because he's not real. <laughs> so, um, so-called Morganstern. In some, in the Morganstern sections, like there's one part there, because then that author also puts asides into like parentheses into his own work <laughs> to make like little jokes and like. So there's a section where he's like, "Well, um, Buttercup was at this point the twentieth most beautiful woman in the world." <laughs> And, like, she works up the <laughs> rankings throughout her life. But they have When this... you're on the street, depending on the street, I bet you're definitely in the top three. So, yeah. <laughs> Is this the Concord's reference for anyone who didn't catch that? I didn't get That's that. That's an sorry. aside, guys. That is an aside. Okay, so... <laughs> what? I don't know what's going on. That was like, the original children's show aside. That's right? true. That was anyways clues. Anyway, that's a <laughs> tangent. Um, so where was I calling with this? Oh, the asides. So in one section, they're like, so she was the most beautiful woman in the world. And they would do a side note of like, well, this, no, she was the most beautiful woman in all of what would be Europe, but Europe hasn't been invented yet. And you're like, okay, so I kind of know where we are in time. And then they would talk about how Wesley wanted to go off to America. And you're like, wait. Like, how can we have America but not Europe yet? <laughs> and then at one point, like, they don't have, like, electricity or anything because everything's done through candles, but she has running water and there's a sink in her bedroom. And you're just like, what is, like, what is happening? And so there's these notes where, like, then William Goldman interjects and says, at this point, my editor was going crazy because she didn't understand when she was editing this, what the heck was going on? And then you have to ask yourself, is there even an editor named Helen or whatever the editor's name was? Because he's been making all of this up this entire time. <laughs> Nothing is real. <laughs> that is like amazing. Yeah. So Okay, so I'm gonna read this book. <laughs> you should. It's ridiculous and funny. And wonderfully though, like so many of your favorite lines from this movie that are like quoted constantly are straight from this book. Like so we're actually quoting this book. Yeah. Within a book. Within a book? Just no, just one. Just too late. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ooh, I ooh. know, it gets real deep. <laughs> I'm just like, where's where's Yeah, it's confusing. Yep, nope. What's his name? Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, where is he? When's he coming in with Tom Hardy in some, like, weird ski suit? I don't know. I don't <laughs> so know. many layers in. I mean, <laughs> I have no idea. But, anyway, so That's let's fantastic. Talk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, there's so, so many wonderful things about this yeah. entire story. So, I want to, uh, for anyone who maybe hasn't seen it in the 20 to 25 years, or... 30. It's turning 30 this oh. year. Because it's a year oh, older yeah, than me. Oh, yeah, because I'm not that it's, old. It's a year older than I am. I'm not that young. <laughs> I'm, I can't believe this movie's been out for 30 years. But I, I think we both just facepalmed at the same I think time. I'm like, oh, we're close <laughs> to 30s, if not there already. Uh, um, so... Let's let's see if we can do a quick little recap of this, like essentially for the 
listeners at home. If that just list what of happens? action words didn't just do it for you. <laughs> if all those things didn't do it for you. So my understanding of this movie had always, as a kid and then moving into young adulthood, had always been that this was, like, essentially a love story mm-hmm. um, where Westley is, like, a poor farm boy who works on this super privileged white girl's farm. <laughs> and she has no parents to speak of in the Not movie. in the movie. In the book, she totally does, but... And he's really sweet and she's really demanding. <laughs> And and uh, and then they fall in love, and then he goes away to find his treasure, or get a job, or somewhere. To, I don't know. I'm off to find my treasure. I love you, bye. And like takes off, and and then uh, and then she gets news that he's dead, and she's like, I'll never love again. And then somehow this Prince Humperdinck finds this hot girl on a farm, and it's like. Yeah, in I'm the book, it's because up. someone heard that she was the most beautiful in the land, essentially. And so he's like, well, I need that as a wife. Oh, so 20th in the world. And she keeps moving up the rankings as she gets older, and as other women, like, become less beautiful. Well, since this is also the Claire Underwood origin story, I would have to say that that is true. That yeah. Robin Wright has become more and more beautiful with true. age. She was only 19 when this movie was filmed, which is insane. She was, she, that's why she still had all of her, like, soft baby skin. And she, skin, like, and has no only bags under prettier. her eyes. <laughs> like, this character looks like she's not wearing any makeup the whole movie. And I have to believe that, that might actually be a true fact <laughs> that be. she's barely wearing any makeup because she's super pretty. Yeah. I'm just soft and, I don't, I don't even talk about how soft she is. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting Ooh. creepy. Let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> child when this movie was filmed so okay so Prince Humperdinck's like I want that hot girl as my wife and she's like oh I don't want to but I guess since I have to I will and then she gets kidnapped by this by this trio, trio of wonderfulness like, <sighs> okay so this trio is amazing well it's, it's the brains the brawn and the Steel is what he's calling himself. The which the brawn and the steel. I would never call it that, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't cast him as, I wouldn't say he's super steely. <laughs> um, so we have a guy who's super smart. He's like a, like if, he's like a little hobbit. Like if Pippin had some good book learning in him. <laughs> and he thinks he's the most brilliant man on earth. Is he in the book? Is that a He thing? thinks he's the okay. most brilliant man. Vizzini, yes. Self-described most brilliant man on earth. Aristotle? Moron. <laughs> 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 and then we have Inigo, who is a bit of a Spaniard caricature. A little bit. And he has... But there's a lot of depth that comes to him mm-hmm. throughout. And then we have Andre the Giant. Yes. What's his? Fezzik. Fezzik. Who is like a super sweetheart. He's, he's a lot. He, basically, he's um, in Of Mice and Men. He's that guy. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like the, the super tender hearted, but is so strong that like he doesn't know what to do with his strength. Yeah. Lenny. He's ex- Yes, he's extremely, extremely strong. And so... Vizzini is like, I want to start a war, so I'm going to kidnap this princess, frame it on this other country. Well, actually, Humperdinck hires him to do it. <gasps> Katie just literally threw something up in the air. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, no! The whole thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I knew that. Yeah, you How did. did I act like I didn't know this? I don't know. Got it. <laughs> I forgot about that plot point. We probably talked through it when we watched this movie we five did. minutes ago. <laughs> I forget about it. So they're gonna they're like hired men essentially who are gonna go off and start this war and kidnap this princess and mm-hmm. blah 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 So they're off and they're kidnapping the princess and they're being followed by this man in black. He's like in this cool ninja pirate costume. It's a pretty great costume. He's referred to as the man in black and he is following them. <laughs> I love the he, line about like, why do you wear a mask? They're terribly comfortable. Everyone <laughs> will wear them in the future. <laughs> Well, is he right? Maybe we haven't just haven't gotten there yet. In oh, okay, the future. Cool. Hoverboards, masks. That we're that's what we're in for. We have the hoverboards. We're working on it. Yeah, <laughs> we're real close. I mean, all these '80s movie <laughs> predictions about the future are coming true. <laughs> no. 
Taco Bell's going to be fancy in the future. I mean, you can get married there now, so. What? Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> we'll talk about Taco Bell more in a further future episode. <laughs> so, essentially, then this man in black then goes through these, like, three trials. So, he sword fights with Inigo, and he has, like, hand-to-hand combat with Fezzik, and then mm-hmm. he outsmarts Vizzini. Mm-hmm. And then he gets the girl, and he's kid. Now he's catnipping her, so she's been like kidnapping. <laughs> kidnapping. He's not catnipping. Her. <laughs> Is that like catfishing? <laughs> it's kind of like catfishing. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so then he's kidnapping her. Little does she know, she finds out at some point that like actually this guy who's kidnapping her is Wesley, who went away. Her long lost love is back. Who used to be dead. So they reunite (laughs) after throwing themselves off a cliff. (laughs) Well, okay, it was a hill. It was a really steep hill. And they're like, oh, we're reunited. We're so in love. We got to get out of here. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's, like, Prince Humperdinck has been tracking them down and Mm -hmm. he's following them. So they, you know, go on this whole adventure and they have to get through the woods and then they get kidnapped. And so this is, like, her third kidnapping. Just talk about Inception. Yeah. Oh my gosh. As I'm explaining this, I'm like, this is just a big heist. <laughs> a That's big, messy heist. That's the thing we were talking about is like, sorry to interrupt your like storyline, no, but like, good. there's so many stories. There's a romance, there's kidnapping, there's a heist, there's, there's like, a rescue mission. A guy who's doing like three like, different trials. Scenes, there's like, there's tragedy, there's vengeance. There's and so much happening in an hour and a half of the like... And yet it all flows seamlessly. It There's, somehow works perfectly. Like, you don't, when you're watching the movie, you're just like, yes, logically, I see where all of this is You're like, is of course, going. yes, this makes perfect sense. Yeah. Sort of. So eventually, like, Humperdinck ca- catches up to him, and she's like, you can marry me, but don't hurt him. And he's like, of course, and um, that's a big lie. Because <laughs> Humperdinck is a tool. <laughs> Oh, he's the whole toolbox. <laughs> oh, Humperdinck. Oh, Humperdinck. No, don't feel bad for no, him. No, I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> Just like, oh, you're a terrible person, Humperdinck. So essentially, like, he is trying to marry her, but he also, like, wants her dead so that he can actually start a war. Yeah. Because it didn't work the other way. And, yeah. Um, a bunch of things ensue. Like, a bunch of... Bunch, bunch, bunch of stuff happens, and the whole way through, they still carry this love story. Yep. And like backstories for half the characters, and it's and you get through like it is so. It is remarkable to me that this film is heralded as being just hilarious, yeah, and romantic, and yet there's so much tragedy that takes place yeah. in this movie. Like when you walk through it, like the death of her true love. Yeah. Like, right off the bat. Like... First five minutes, and, mm-hmm. like, this woman is, like, in complete depression, and, like... And then is, like, herself. pledged to marry someone she doesn't love. Yes. And starts to freak out about that. Yeah. And then there's a kidnapping, and then there's murders. Like, there's, uh... I mean, there's... <laughs> Inigo, who's, like, on a lifelong mission to avenge his father. Yeah. There's a torture machine... <laughs> There's sometimes I'm like, wait, we watch childhood like, movies with torture machines. Buttercup <laughs> attempts suicide. Yeah, there's like clear manipulation of, I mean, like Humperdinck is just a manipulation machine. Oh yeah, like we watch someone practically die multiple times, and like someone drinks themselves nearly to death. It's like there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of thematic but elements. Somehow it's all comes off as whimsical and I don't understand how that works that like drunkenness is kind of charming in this movie like yes in a weird way which well, is only Mandy Patinka could be well that's probably like a drunk true dude, super, that he's just like super fun yeah I don't he's like oh what a what a charming little drunk man you're so sweet like we should nurse you back to health you're not like get up you slob get your life together you're just like is he gonna be okay <laughs> which tells you like that tells you how great these characters are. Mm-hmm. That, like, you can feel so much for a character who you don't get to see a lot of screen time for. No. Necessarily. Like Max and Valerie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they, like, there's 
Are they in the movie more than five minutes? I am not sure they are. I didn't time it, but maybe it's it not have. very long. There's one scene where they're in their like little cabin where they're trying to like get a miracle from them, what? and <laughs> you you feel like you know like their entire relationship from this tiny tiny little bit. Yeah, and most of it was ad libbed. Like it. So let's. So if we want to talk about how great of an actor Billy Crystal is, he ad-libbed well, as far 13th as we can tell, century yeah. humor. <laughs> the like, less, less tomato. And actually, maybe Patinka, I think he actually like bruised his ribs because he was suppressing laughter. That does not surprise me. Because they did take after take of Billy Crystal just, just kind of doing, doing his thing and making up his character as he goes. And Mandy was working so hard to suppress laughter that he had bruised ribs after oh filming gosh. those scenes. Well, that's the other thing we said is like, <laughs> this movie is hilarious and it takes you at least 40 minutes to get to Billy Crystal. Yes. Like, how is that? Like, Billy Crystal has a bit part in this movie. He <laughs> like this tiny, and yet he's the thing that everybody like, like ever remembers Billy and Valerie and Pampadink <laughs> like his whole speech about like true love and like every every single <laughs> line in that scene is miraculously funny <laughs> oh it's incredible and didn't they were they nominated for they were the only actors nominated for awards there, I think it was the Hugo Award, which honestly I don't know what that is award for, but they were they both won like best supporting actor and actress and like comedy for comedy for like for like a five minute scene in that movie for like five minutes, which makes time. me so happy, <laughs> just so happy. So I want to say of these characters, I have this is my dream couples costume. <laughs> Yes, Valerie and Miracle. Oh my Max. gosh, I love that I so much. I just want to be like I know every line that Valerie says, and every single boyfriend I have asked to do this couple's costume <laughs> with, and they've all said no, or if they've said yes, they didn't follow through. Yeah, on it. which is lame. And so I'm sure that like I'm going to know when I found the one when his first response is yes, yes let's go thrifting now absolutely like let's sit down and watch the movie we're gonna get we're gonna get some wigs down. we're gonna make this happen like let's get a prosthetic person like <laughs> that's how I'm gonna know that I found the one not because he says as you wish because I mean I don't need a farm I need a miracle you need max. A miracle <laughs> max. I just, I just, That's for everyone listening, my dream man. If you're a miracle max, come find me. Your <laughs> email is wigbirdypod. It is <laughs> at gmail.com. You want to send us love notes or whatever mm-hmm. you would plug like. that. Plug that up. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah, so that's big. <laughs> Yeah, that's how, uh, that's made, I think that's just the perfect couple's costume. Because everybody can do Buttercup great. and Wesley. And yeah. I think Inigo and his father would be a really interesting well, because you never see his father. Or Inigo and the You know, a group man. costume, though, would be pretty fun. <gasps> yeah. It would be pretty fun. There's not enough women in this movie, though. Well, that's when I know There's I've only found all my sister wives. <laughs> 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 they all want to be characters of this. <laughs> oh, I would no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's like the wildest thing is that they're in five minutes, nominated for awards, won awards, and they're not even the main characters. Yeah. And yet they're some of the most memorable. And we were talking like there's some of the like iconic actors in this movie. Yeah. Like you've already mentioned like Robin Wright. Like there's if you Did haven't it, seen House of Cards, do yourself a favor and see it because holy cow. <laughs> like Robin Wright's performance is just all Emmy worthy all day long. Yeah. <laughs> She's my hero. <laughs> I mean, there's just I mean, obviously Billy Crystal and of Carol Kane. They already had established careers at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um Carrie Elvis was pretty new. Yeah. He was like... Mandy Patinkin, obviously, went on to do great things. Like toothpaste commercials. Yeah. My mom was living in Texas at one point, and I think she knew her... He was She was friends with her bro- his brother or his cousin or something, and 
I, so random. I know. It was the weirdest. She was like, yeah, you know that guy? I know his blah, blah, blah. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, Sorry. You're friends with you know Inigo Montoya's brother? Like, what? Do you know this guy? Like, real casually? <laughs> so let's, like, while we're talking about Inigo Montoya, um, let's talk about that awesome scene where, like, the whole thing where he finally Every gets scene? to, well, yeah, where he finally, <laughs> like, finds Count Rugen, the guy who killed his father, oh the six-fingered God. man. And decides to, like, he knows he has to kill him. And so he starts chasing him down in the castle. That was one of the only scenes where you and I actually got silenced to, like, watch this scene. I mean, first of all, I love the scene where he's trying to break down a door to go get him. Yeah. And the music is so perfect. (laughs) Because, like, every time he hits the door, like, there's (laughs) a music beat that goes with it. It's so... And Great. it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound silly. No. Like, it should kind of, like, you'd it just think that a music cue just, yeah, you, for someone slamming themselves into a door would be like, But it just emphasizes <laughs> it, like, so well. It makes it more dramatic and, yeah. like, like you really, like, it swells in such a it way. Does. You're like, I just want you to break It's like, the we door. don't care about the music that swells during, like, the kiss scene. Like, <laughs> no. let's not worry about that. But this beating down the is door this scene a kissing back? is so dramatic. <laughs> but, um, It's so perfect. Yeah, and so he finally, like, chases... There's that whole scene in, like, the dining hall or whatever it is where he finally is, like... The indoor bonfire. Yeah, I know. What's up with the indoor bonfire? Where they have, like, a buffet set up. I mean, it's obviously for the wedding reception or something like that, but it's, like, tables full (laughs) of, like, things with pineapples stuck in them to look like fancy, like, fruit. Fancy food. I don't know. But, um... I think the flow of the room was way off for an actual buffet, personally. As an event coordinator, <laughs> an event I don't know that set it up that way. <laughs> but, um, so there's that whole scene where he starts, yeah. like, he uses his phrase to, like, hype himself up. My name is Inigo Montoya. And he starts my quiet, and then eventually die. he, like, yells it at him. And yes. Like, oh, my goodness. The it's moment so he starts yelling, it's, it's super, super intense. And you're just like, yeah, do it. So, anyway, I brought that up because I wanted to read this um, thing that I found online from Mandy Patinkin where he talks about where he got the, like, motivation for that scene. And so he says, I'd lost my father in 1972. So this is, like, 10 or 15 years earlier than the movie. It just hit a chord with me that I want my father back just like he does. The reason I made the movie was coming to fruition, which was I was going to get the cancer that killed my father. And I remember we were outside that castle, and I took a walk in this beautiful moat. Apparently there's a moat there. And I just kept talking to my dad, saying, I'm going to get it. I'm going to write it. I'm going to write this wrong. And in my mind, I feel that when I killed the six-fingered man, I killed the cancer that killed my father. And for a moment, he was alive, and my fairy tale came true. Whoa. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Wow. That's so amazing. Like, oh my god. Mandy Patinkin took The Princess Bride <laughs> and made it into like a personal moving event in his life. Oh my god. And like gosh. took that experience and like put it into his character. And that's why his character feels so like serious ser- about it. Like feel like you can feel his affection for his father. Yeah. Every time he brings up his father, it's not like, hmm, they're talking about some dead father and he's yeah. real sad. You're just like, man. Like, I'm really rooting for him to kill somebody. (laughs) Yeah, it's so crazy. And, like, the fact that he, like, just pretended that, like, his enemy was his dad's cancer. Mm. How crazy is that? Like, that's so awesome. So that adds another totally different layer. So if we're thinking about Christopher Guest's character, the Mm -hmm. six-fingered man, as, like, a cancer... This man also is super into torture. Like, he's clearly a, like, blatant sadist. Yeah. Well, in the book, like, he's been researching pain. And he builds that torture device so he can, like, study pain and what it does to a person. Which, I mean, we need to yell at the cat while we're recording. Get out. Matilda! (laughs) Matilda, stop flying around with your magic powers. (laughs) Matilda doesn't fly. She's a cat. She's a cat. That's a cat. Matilda. Anyway, sorry so, to interrupt our serious conversation about, about sadism. <laughs> no, so it's this. So when when we were just rewatching it just now, I was I didn't I didn't know about that like the cancer thing. Mm-hmm. 
But when you look at this character and how he's clearly very sadistic and he totally, like, gets off on, like, torture, which is also, like, super creepy. Yeah. (laughs) Super, super creepy. And so during this fight, um, he keeps, like, stabbing Inigo in, like, in a way that, like, wouldn't officially kill him. Mm -hmm. Also because Inigo's really good at blocking. He's a master swordsman. Yeah. But, like, all of the ways that he stabs him, he, like, after, like, throwing a knife at him in the first place, mm-hmm. he doesn't go in and just do the job. He waits around and watches Inigo slowly die or believes that he's dying until mm-hmm. Inigo comes back. Yeah. So it's fascinating that they take this character who, like, loves to torture people, mm-hmm. and then Inigo's character flips it around on the spot where mm-hmm. suddenly he's the one torturing what is it? the six-fingered man, Christopher Guest's character, yeah. where, like, then he's like, offer me power, offer me money, give me everything I want, and he's, like, slashing at him and, yeah. all like, doing all and this stuff. And he cuts stuff. his face in the yes. same way that he did to Inigo yes. as a ch- younger man. Yes, so he, like, puts it, like, he tortures him in the way that he's tortured, that Inigo has been tortured. Yeah. And, like, just to see that character then suddenly, like, be on the other end of it, and it didn't freak him out he didn't like beg for his life necessarily he Mm -hmm. just kind of like took it like he was clearly fearful but he like took it in a way that I mean just to see that scene play out from a totally different dynamic then that like Mandy was like destroying cancer in a really sadistic way like that's remarkable yeah that's that's amazing wasn't that like that just is, further proves how awesome this movie is. This movie's so There's good. A, like, it's it's crazy. Like, it, rem- it reminds me not that it's quite like at that same at that same level, but um, I'm going to bring up Lin Manuel Miranda because he's my favorite. <laughs> when he was putting it in the Heights on Broadway, oh yeah. Um, so it was his first musical during that opening week. His grandfather died, and his family didn't. Uh, they didn't tell him about it initially because it was opening week on Broadway and it was mm-hmm. real, it would have been a lot to handle. They told him afterwards. Um, so in the show, Lin-Manuel Miranda's character, Usnavi's abuela, like she dies in the show. Mm-hmm. And so he was able, Lin was able to use every single night because he didn't have time off because mm-hmm. his he's acting, he's, starring in a show that he yeah. wrote on Broadway. Yeah, He was able to take those scenes and those songs where they're grieving, where they're mourning mm-hmm. this character and actually grieve his grandfather like live on stage. Yeah. Like every night until like that was the end of, you know, until mm-hmm. he was done processing it and it was back to a performance. But yeah. it was so real for him to just be able to sink into like, I actually just had the death of a grandparent yeah. that he was close to occur and he could use that time to grieve, which then of course makes everything more raw. Right. And if you listen to the if you listen to the soundtrack, like and you know that story, there's oh. actually a little like it's really yeah. heavy. I actually when I listen to the soundtrack, I sometimes will skip over that because yeah. I cry. Like I cry listening to I him would, just yeah. like grieve his grandfather oh live and I'm like, No Can you imagine? No. That's crazy. No, I cannot. <laughs> I don't want to. The sun is out, Wesley. I'm sorry. <laughs> So this movie got real dark suddenly. And it's funny. Like, it's just, it. that's what it does. Like, it's got all those weird, creepy parts, but you come off going, well, that was wonderful and whimsical and nice. And I that love movie it. was absolutely fantastic. I have nothing, I mean, the only things that we could say were like, oh, like a small, there weren't even that many editing hiccups, and I pick up on those really quickly. Yeah. Like I mean, the, there was like one thing where we were like, how would that character know that? I yeah. just don't care. Oh, like, and he goes like, oh, the man in black is mourning his true love, the princess. And we were, you like, were drunk that we whole part of the story. You were like knocked out. I didn't. But otherwise, like. It's perfect. I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's great. This movie is one of my most favorite movies. And this solidified it. <laughs> this viewing party. Yeah. And this conversation just, I mean, it's forever, forever, forever. If they ever remake this movie. No. Well, how would we cast it first? And then we can hate on it. Okay, first, I don't want that. Second, who would be in this? Who do you think? If would you we cast? dream cast it. 
Yeah. I mean, I'd almost want people I've never seen before to be Wesley and Buttercup. Oh, yeah. Well, that doesn't... Okay, so I'll be Buttercup then. (laughs) (laughs) work? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Yes, you would want to introduce You would almost want to have some, like, unknowns. Um, but I don't, let's, let's, okay, if we had to do the trio. Okay, let's do who that. Who would we cast? Too hard. In the trio, I see, I could see Zach Galifianakis doing a pretty good Vizzini. Yeah, probably. Um, I could see that, I could see that working. Yeah. Maybe not, yeah, no, I think that could work. Um, I mean, I guess for... For Fezzik. Uh oh, 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 oh. John Cena would be amazing. <laughs> because he we okay, so we saw train wreck. Yes. I didn't know I for I don't know anything about wrestling or fighting. I don't know. I didn't know really who he was until way after. I just was like, oh cool, a new comedic like actors on the scene. Yeah. I didn't realize that, that was John Cena. Yeah. He was so funny. He was so funny in that movie. Him or Channing Tatum. <laughs> we can't have <laughs> Channing Tatum in every movie. Well, maybe he can pop up. He'd be a great Humperdinck. He would be a pretty great Humperdinck. He would be an amazing villain. Oh my gosh. Okay, so Dreamcast. Yeah, that would be Channing pretty. Channing Tatum is Humperdinck. Pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, and I think John Cena would do a great Fezzik. Who would be a Nico? Louise, who's like lithe enough to be Indigo? I want to. Mm, nah, he's a little sappy. The guy from uh, from the new Star Wars, the super. Um, you're ruining our podcast because I don't. Do you mean Diego Rivera? Yes. Yeah. Or, he's yeah. a little. He's Actually, a little Riz soft. Ahmed might be good too. The other guy. Oh. In that. Yeah, movie. he yeah, would be yeah. really good in that part. I bet. I've been watching the series. We would just have to change all the like background, like yeah. He doesn't have to be a spin movie. No, but he, I can see him being cool in that part. Yeah, actually, yeah. I can see that a lot. I've been watching his HBO show, The Night of, oh. very slowly because I'm a, every episode. I'm afraid of what's gonna happen. Oh, no. So I'm only a few episodes in, but he's excellent in that. Yeah. I mean, it was he's remarkably subtle and I think an ego needs to have a lot of subtlety Mm, otherwise then he becomes like a lively Spaniard caricature he's like wild and passionate and like then it becomes a weird like it's not tangoing all the time right chill out like the guy from Moulin Rouge (laughs) that Spaniard was just like off the charts like (laughs) like just a caricature and it yeah. really I think it hurt it hurt his whole song because I didn't yeah. want to take him seriously at all although I'm going to just throw this out there if we do throw this it. recasting Max and Valerie have to still be Carol Kane <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no we can't recast we're not going to recast them we're just going to put them in the same makeup and costumes and just go with that the only people that I would recast them with would be clearly me and my dream man well true but then we would just be doing somebody else's act, so it might as well just be them. I mean, I think we should just let them keep it. Let them have it. They did such a... I mean, they won a Hugo, so... <laughs> Who are we to rob them of their Hugo 30 years later? Like, we could, someone could do better. No. No, we're pretty sure. Really don't think. Yeah. But seriously, though, no one ever remake this. No, don't. Don't do this. Who would you cast as... I mean, do you have any changes to my cast? No. I mean... Great. That's pretty fun. Well, let's not send that to production. No <laughs> Don't one, tell anyone. Yeah, all y'alls who are clearly <laughs> friends with people who are in film production, don't tell anybody about this. It's going to be our best game secret. <laughs> <laughs> so that's this episode of Viewing Party, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to say other than... Like we said, this movie's perfect, so... It's perfect. Uh, if you found any of this remotely tantalizing, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Viewing Party Pod. Yep. Party is spelled without an A. Nope. No way. So Viewing Party Pod. Um, we also have a Gmail. Is yeah. it the exact same? It is. It has the A. I didn't Sorry. Make the Gmail. I don't know. So it's Viewing Party Pod at gmail.com. Yeah. If you have ideas, 
ideas uh, for movies we should watch next or funny themes that we yeah. can create. We didn't even talk about our themed foods oh, this time. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. We'll, let's back up there. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? What do you think that is? Oh, wait. Stop it now. I mean it. <laughs> Anybody want a pizza? <laughs> and that's when Katie threw peanuts at me. <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored by Planters Salted Peanuts. They're super delicious and high in protein. We also didn't talk about the fact that I once threw an entire party themed Princess Bride. Yes! With all themed food. A lot, like... I went a little crazy with the themed food. Tell me we all had, about the food. We had mutton lettuce tomato sandwiches, which were actually bacon. It wasn't. I didn't buy mutton. mutton. <laughs> Spam? <laughs> Ew, no. I had fire swamp cupcakes that were green and looked oh. like they had fire spurts coming out of them. <laughs> I had um, iocane powder, which was like giant, like test tubes filled with pixie, pixie sticks. sticks. A lot of pixie sticks. So much pixie um, sticks. Then there was also. The best part, oh, there was a, there was peanuts, obviously. There was uh, miracle pills, which were just milk duds, because they look like they're covered yes. in chocolate. Perfect. And then the best part was, I <laughs> found on clearance this chocolate form that was a giant rat, and we had a giant chocolate R-O-U-S <laughs> And it was fantastic. That's amazing. So if you ever want to throw a party themed about this, I gotcha. We could oh, there put was all shrieking that. eels too. Oh, shrieking! <laughs> I, I forgot I made <laughs> shrieking eel cutlets that were just like cocktail weenies wrapped in bacon or something. That's fantastic. It's uh, delicious. We can put all that in the description. So if any of y'all want to throw your own viewing party, yeah, we'll give you. We got some. You have all those options. You can have. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so follow us wherever you want. If you have ideas for viewing parties you would like us to have, you can email them or tweet them. We don't have it. However you would like to get in contact with us, we're cool with that. We'll, we'll take your contact. Um, so with that, I think we just get to sign off. Yeah. This is Katie. This is Wesley. Bye! Have fun storming the castle! (laughs) You think it'll like? It'll take a miracle. (laughs) (laughs) Matilda, get down! (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.